for episode 38 of the First Strike Podcast. This is KYT, and we got some special guests, more than one guest today. But before we start the show, got to plug our sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. Today, I'm with Rob, I'm with Vince, and we brought back MTGO Trophy Champion, Misplaced Ginger. Uh, Hello. Derek Pike. Derek, how upset were you when your godfather didn't make it to the hall? Just like, just missed uh, I mean, I don't have a vote, so I can't speak too much towards it, but I feel like Chris should be in by now. Like, come on, he's done a lot for the community. He only has, what, three top eights, but so do so did Owen when he got in, so like, I don't really see what the big Chris has is. Two, he has like two and a half, I think. Two and a half? Oh. He has two top eights and like a world's top eight, which some people consider a top eight and some people don't. (laughs) It's before my time, I guess. Never mind then. (laughs) Um, We've got you on to talk standard because a lot of people have some still either a PPTQ or an RPTQ, uh, myself. If I qualify for the uh, with the LCQ this uh, this weekend, and we're gonna have, uh, if all goes well, Andy Rodrup, Rob dropped later in the show. We finished tenth at SCG Syracuse with Affinity, so looking to get his thoughts about the modern metagame. But first, we had GP Minneapolis won by Mono Black Zombies by Steve Locke, and uh, if you just look at the top eight, didn't look too zombie infested, and then you go down to the top sixteen, top thirty two. And it was zombies everywhere. And we sort of expected this evolution from mono red to zombies, being it's uh, what we thought was its main predator. And now zombies is, is like rampant everywhere. Did you expect this result? Uh, we'll start with you, Rob. Yeah, so um, this is kind of how you would have expected the format to evolve if you didn't know about the PTQ from like the weekend of the PT, right? So this is like the format of online <laughs> a week ago. And like online's already moved past where this is. So like the, the IRL metagame is literally an entire week behind where the Magic Online metagame is. So, I mean, I guess if things are going to move like that, if that stays consistent, you'll be able to make some like really good predictions going forward about what deck to bring uh, to like the upcoming standard event, if they're kind of closely packed between like a, a high level online tournament and then um, a high level IRL tournament followed by another high IRL high level uh, real life tournament. So yeah, I'm I'm not surprised. Like people still think Mono Red is very good. It's coming off the heels of the Pro Tour. That's what people bought into and, and traded for, uh, kind of like while the Pro Tour was going on. So that was going to be prevalent at the GP. Um, and people just don't have the liquidity to switch their decks that, that fast in real life, right? So all the people that kind of figured that that was going to be true brought mono-black uh, zombies and tuned green-black lists. They were kind of like based on um, uh, Sam Party's uh, second-place finish uh, deck from the top eight, and I think that's like a really good place uh, to be if that's what you expect the, the metagame to be, right? Um, I'm surprised that it wasn't next leveled again to kind of where I thought the metagame was going to be and where it was for like the mocks uh, playoffs was uh, online. But um, yeah, it just, it looks like it's, it's lagging it by an entire cycle, <laughs> which means that we can expect like um, mid range energy uh, ramp decks with like control and, and, and Kozilek's return and, and, and those kind of decks 
uh, to kind of be prevalent at, at the next big tournament. Do you think like articles by, by pros are, are really lagging also, uh, Rob? Because like just recently, I think it was just this past Friday or something, Owen's article said like Mono Red, the title is Mono Red is the best deck. Is that way behind at this point? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could make that claim basically before the PT. And then after the PT, you couldn't make that claim anymore. Because by the time the Pro Tour ended, it already wasn't true. Because the Magic Online PTQ proved that Zombies can just reconfigure itself to crush Mono Red, right? So, um, yeah, I, I saw like a, a Channel Fireball tweet or something like yesterday uh, that was talking. I guess it was Owen's article. It was like talking about Mono Red. And like, I think someone else was posting a, a link to another article talking about how good Mono Red was. And I was like, wow, these guys are like a full two weeks behind. Like, this deck is just actually not good at all right now. Like, <laughs> no all. one should be playing it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's interesting. Okay, we'll jump with you, Derek, in, in our first strike nation. You had mentioned that you were testing zombies and you were suggesting zombies to people who, who had tournaments to play this past weekend. Were you surprised by the GP Minneapolis results? No, um, I was a little surprised that, like, I wasn't surprised zombies won. I wasn't surprised there's black green in the top eight. I was a little surprised that there's two Marduk vehicles list in the top eight. And I was a little surprised that there's less mono red. There's only one mono red deck. But it seems like if you look at the top 32, there's another mono red deck hanging out, and that's about it. And then, like, one control variant and one white-black control variant. It's just, like, everything seems normal, and then, like, there are a couple outliers. But for the most part, I think it follows what was expected. Black, green, and zombies. Yeah. And... So the, the like you you did you play an important tournament because you've been t- grinding with zombies for the past couple of days. Um, I've been playing PTQs like I played in the PTQ the weekend of the Pro Tour. I registered black white zombies, but since then I've just been grinding zombies. I might play in the LCQ next weekend, which is what I'm like preparing for. And on on Moto, there's a lot of uh, different decks. Like there's a lot more blue white. Approach of the Second Suns now. There's a lot more zombies. There's like normally you were playing like mono red two to three times every five matches. Now it's like maybe once or twice every five matches. Like it's not as consistent. And everybody's really figuring out how to beat mono red. Uh, everybody knows that they go big post board. And so I think that the, the general high bind is like moving away from mono red being good. So maybe in a week or two it'll be good again. Who knows? But. I don't know how fast the information really reaches the masses compared to reaching like the Moto metagame. So you're experimenting with black white zombies. I, I haven't seen that in, in a while. <laughs> um, I picked it up real quick. Uh, Cause the problem with the mono black zombies list right now is that it doesn't have a lot of reach. And so if you put the white black uh, zombie, the one white, one black two, two, whenever a zombie ETBs uh, drain, if you get into like a board stall with a black white uh, a mono black opponent, and you have one of those in play. You basically break the board stall, and you gain a bunch of life, and they lose a bunch of life. And it's also really good against mono red if you can stick it on turn two, because if they kill it, then you have other threats down the line. And if they don't kill it, it gains you so much life that they basically can't win. But the mana base is awful, so <laughs> it's kind of tough to play a white black deck when you want to be aggressive. I'm just playing model black right now for the most part. <laughs> just tweaking it for, for yeah, yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully, I find a spot that I like. But 
Are you starting boats in the main yet, or have you not got there? No, I'm playing for Liliana's Mastery. It's really tough to okay. play a, a lot of five drops. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you, you kind of need to decide which of the routes you're going to take. I think either yeah. one is reasonable, but there was like uh, earlier iterations of the list were trimming on five drops completely. Yeah, well... And I think it's just correct to run like four or five of them in the main and go to 24, 25 lanes. Yeah, I was playing two Masteries in the main and two Boats in the board, and now I'm playing, I think, four Masteries, one Boat in the board. But Jarvis Yu this weekend was playing, I think, one or two Boats in the main of his Mono Black Zombies deck, which is pretty innovative, I think. Like, he just decided that there's going to be a lot of Zombies. Yeah, he's playing one boat in the main and four masteries in the mains with uh, 25 lands. So that's what I did at the mocks too. I played two boats in the main and they were yeah. very sweet, but I was, I was not playing zombies, yeah. <laughs> but still no. the boats were sweet. <laughs> I mean, when you're playing servants, you can get away with a lot more. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like we've traveled back to in time to win right after Jerry won his PT and GP Montreal, where I started playing zombies, and, and like the question was, how do you find out how to beat the mirror? It just seems like that's what you're doing, Derek. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, like that's that's all I'm doing, like splashing, <laughs> maybe splashing a second color, like, but like you can't really get too away from mono black because the man is so bad, and then you get paired against other decks that just are tuned to beat zombies and you just get run over because you don't have a good draw against them. So yeah, it's, I mean, there's no Marvel in this format, so you can't just really play Chandra on turn four. So like zombies is pretty much running rampant um, for the most part. Okay. Rob, what what do you think? What's the next level from, from you talked about the mocks is, was a step ahead you know, is, is Derek just sticking a step behind here? Do you think there's another archetype that's just the next level at this point? It de- it de- I guess it depends when the event is and if the event's online or in real life. <laughs> like, Zombies is still a fine deck, and I think it's a deck that's a good choice if you're very familiar with it and are very familiar with um, the mirror. If you're not, then I don't think it's, it's probably a good choice for you. If I was playing in a real-life tournament... Uh, I would probably just play Teamer Energy, I think. Um, you just get to board in... like you, you have a very good card advantage game plan already, so you can keep pace with their Crypt Breakers, you have lots of cheap interaction, and then like almost everything in the deck is a two-for-one, and then you just get like more sideboard options on how you want to you tackle the, the games after board, right? And that was kind of like how the mocks played out, where you see like the Teamer Energy decks just kind of rise to the top. And my sideboard plan, I kind of switched away from like kind of going... I just put, like, the boats in the main deck, so I'd be good versus green, black, and zombies in game one. And then I went, like, full-on, like, Bounty of Luxa ramp into, like, Ulamog with, with Kozilek's return and Worldbreaker in the sideboard, and that was very, very effective for me. I, I lost um, one match to blue-red control, where I incorrectly boarded out all of my Harness Lightnings and got got with an abrade in my hand by a Glorybringer. <laughs> And I was like, man, I should have just played like one abrade, two lightning, probably instead of like three abrade. Uh, like after seeing that, I was like, yeah, I was definitely incorrect. So that was an unfortunate loss. And my other loss was like to green black, where um, he just kind of like nutted me, and I just like could not keep up with it. He was like snakes into like uh, walking ballistic, kill your stuff into gear Hulk, gear Hulk, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, that, when that deck knocks, it, it's it's like very very good. Um, so I think like I was probably losing that that match no matter what, uh, given the configuration of my deck, and that's that's fine. Um, but I really liked my my matchups versus zombies uh, post board and even like a pre board, and I think I faced it three times in the event, and I, I beat it two uh, zero all all the matches. So it was. It was good. I think, yeah, I think Teamer's a good choice if you're expecting lots of green, black, and lots of zombies. So Harness Lightning is sweet. So is Cold Lux Return. And neither of those decks can deal with Ulamog. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Glorybringer's pretty good, too. And when yeah. you respond <laughs> to Glorybringer, like, as a zombies player, that's, like, the worst possible. Like, it's like, oh, I have to kill this servant. Oh, you have a Rogue Refiner and draw an extra card. Oh, you play Chandra on curve because your mana's perfect. Oh, of course you have Glorybringer. I didn't have a grasp. What a great format. Yeah. yeah, you also just get to like board into like Big Chandra if you want, um, or Confiscation yeah. Coup. Like there's just a lot of things that the teamer deck has that's like very good versus the the black decks uh post board. Yeah, and I think people are realizing that World of Virtuoso is good again with all the mono red running around and because two Mardu uh decks top eight of that GP, I feel like people are gonna be playing more World of Virtuoso in anticipation for Mardu coming back, but I don't know. We'll see in the next couple weeks or so. Yeah, I jammed for Virtuoso, and I was very happy with it for sure. Hmm. I think like I think people playing in real life might should play Teamer because I expect if I had to predict the meta game, it'd be a lot of zombies and people wanting to copy what Brad Nelson's playing, right? Because it's, it's Brad, great reputation, and, and Constrictor, and you just named the two decks, uh, which leads me to ask Derek one last quick question: like, what's stopping you from trying out team have you tested it and, and hated it um i mean i played it at the pro tour and was not happy with it okay uh, scarred for life in a, in a marvel metagame in a marvel metagame i mean the the deck is is clunky there's if you if you ever pick up the deck and just jam some games with it there will be games where you have the perfect curve and it, the game it just doesn't work out and I can't really figure it out what it is with the deck, um, but it just, it's not, like, the flow of zombies, everything's flowing. Like, you play a Diagraph Colossus on 5, who cares? You play a Cripplaker on 10, who cares? You play uh, a Servant of the Conduit on 5, awful. You play you make a, a Chandra. Into, you play Chandra into a board... Uh, where your opponent has three creatures. It's like, okay, I'm too far behind. Uh, the deck just, like, you have to play things in a very specific order and place, and I, it, I can't get behind that kind of deck. Like, if I want to get that lucky, I'll play, I don't know, control oh, or something. If I want to get that lucky, Rob, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> I mean, some decks are, are too complicated for people to play, so it's <laughs> fine. Uh, yeah, I agree. No, there, there are, I, I mean, uh, there are a lot of decisions uh, in Teamer that are kind of like, if uh, on their face value, like they're all look 50-50, where it's like you have three mana and you're like, okay, I have Refiner, Servant, and Virtuoso that I could play this turn, right? And like, if you pick the wrong one, you, you're like much more likely to lose than if, than if you don't. Always. Right? It's especially bad if you have, like, a Chandra and Glorybringer in your hand, and you're like, if there's a land on top of my library, like, I win this game, but if I miss and I play this Servant and it dies, I lose. So, like, do I play the Rogue Refiner to draw a card if I double miss? Like, what happens? Like, I found that so, the, boat, the boats in the main really, like, catch you up when you, 
when you fall behind. And they yeah. make, make your refiners and virtuosos like much more useful. Well, they, they kill planeswalkers and creatures. And there's no other card in the format that does that. Although it's weak to a braid, like the only real deck that's playing a braid right now is Mono Red. They have to and bust all their braids on your like virtuosos anyways. Yeah, exactly. Because they have to save their harness lightnings for your bigger things or whatever. So. Yeah. Anyways, I, st- I still think the deck's good. But I, I agree with Derek that um, it is much more dependent on curving out in a way that is uh, advantageous for it, or else it can, it can fall behind more easily than a deck like I, Zombies, where it can, it can catch up more easily. It's less dependent on straw, but I think overall the, the power level of the deck is slightly weaker. I definitely say that uh, the best three decks right now are probably Black Green, Zombies, and Teamer, and depending on which deck is best positioned, gives one of the other decks in the format an ability to like skew their main deck to beat the other one. So like if zombies is popular, like teamer should be better. And if teamer is better then like control is probably going to be good. If control is good, then model red will come back. But like those three decks probably have the most powerful things going on at all times. With, with these results, I just can't see teamer being popular in real life. Um, I might be wrong. We'll see. On, uh... Uh, I think, I think you're right. Cause people are going to look at the top eight, top 16 or whatever and look for interesting deck lists, and you're going to find lots of people bringing zombies, lots of people bringing green-black, lots of people just playing what they were playing before, which was likely mono-red, and then like people looking for something different, which is probably picking up Dan Ward's blue-white approach deck. So I, I'd, I want to play like some counter-magic in my team or sideboard, which I didn't have uh, when I went into the mocks, because these control decks were just non-existent, and I didn't feel like I needed to to have any counter spells for them. Because so I thought that the zombies decks would just transgress them out of the game, which seems to be what was happening anyways. <laughs> well, besides, besides Teamer, you're working on something else. Uh, Rob, uh, is that showing some promise? Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> my cyborg plan for Teamer was uh, four Bounty of the Luxa, uh, three Kozilek's Return, three World Breaker, two Ulamog. And I was so happy with that cyborg plan that I was like, okay, where else can I just like put these cards uh, that that are good? So I kind of like cut the K returns and put that in the main deck of a Saltai Delirium Shell, and that deck like is interesting. You get to play Scarab God, so you get to like use your mana um, very effectively uh, in kind of the mid to late game. It's like very annoying for a bunch of decks to deal with that when you're just like recurring Ishkana uh, again and again <laughs> for like a basically one mana a turn. Um, so that, that deck seems sweet, um, but the blue-white approach deck and blue-red control decks are seem to be gaining in popularity, at least um, in the online meta. So my deck was like not really configured, and I was like I went like three, two, four, one, four, one. I think in, in the leagues I played. So I need some more configuration to uh, to do that, but I don't really have anything coming up. So there's not really a reason to tune it too much farther. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think that the deck has, has promise. It's uh, definitely very powerful uh, in the mid range mirror for sure. Okay. Uh, But, but you would, you would just jump it. You would just, if you had a tournament right now, it would be teamer. Yeah, I would play teamer. Yeah. It's just like the the Saltai deck is like much worse against mono red. And I think that uh, if you're playing in real life, you still want to, have good game against Mono Red, and having like Magma Spray, Lightning, a Braid, and World of Virtuoso is definitely worth it. Okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Vince a curveball here. Um, if you join a First Strike Nation, you'll get a glimpse on uh, Brian Gottlieb's new brew. 
that he's very, very happy with. It's a new Turbo Fog. So if you guys want Turbo Fog, some piece of joint nation, see what it's like. Uh, Vince, do you have an opinion on, on people who like these type of strategies uh, and, and that play Turbo Fog? Do they annoy you, or are you one of the Turbo Fog guys? I mean, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm not one of the people who play a Turbo Fog deck, mostly because I'm not one of the people who play a deck in constructed. But I'll give you my two cents on Turbo Fog anyway. Um, I respect people that make that decision. I mean, you really have to have a level of commitment to like I don't care how good this deck is. I want to. I like the strategy and I want to pursue it as aggressively as I can. Um, there's a notable friend of mine from Montreal who plays a deck in modern called Taking Turns, and that deck was horrible for a very long time. And he spent a very long time trying to make it good, and then it did well once, and now it's it's kind of his crown and glory. So shout out to Davies for that one. But yeah, people that, that have their pet decks and really uh, force them often actually can sometimes do a good thing for a metagame too, right? Because they can kind of exploit areas that other people aren't looking at actively, and sometimes that can help shake up an environment. So, shout-outs to all you guys playing your fogs. Maybe someday it will matter, but not today. <laughs> so, uh, Brian's deck features cards like, like the Bounty, um, Our Devastation, Fevered Vision. Derek, you took a glimpse. Do you see potential in this archetype? In this, like, I was shocked that this, the word Turbo Fog could still exist today. Uh, like, yeah, this, this deck, like, I could see you spiking a 5-0 with this deck. Like, he has an approach, uh, so that's your win con. You just, like, the, the blue-white deck basically does the same thing. They just get there quicker with, um, Glimmer Genius and, uh, whatever the, the new Impulse card is that also counters that Mana Leaks. Supremo. Yeah, yeah, that one. Like, if you're just playing Fogs... Like, what, what do you have to worry about? The format's mostly creature decks. Uh, as long as you aren't at, like, five and your opponent has a walking ballista, you can just win the game eventually, right? So uh, it's the kind of deck that you'd be surprised on how good it would do against a specific meta it, with, like, zombies and black-green. Because unless they, like, see the transgress the mind out of the board, they're probably not winning, and they probably always lose game one, so... This has been the argument for everyone who's ever played a, a Turbo Fog deck, ever. The format is creature decks, Fogs are in the format, Turbo Fog is lit, let's do it. It doesn't work that way. You have to have, like, seven Fogs in a row in but a like, creature deck, so it's just not, it, that's not how it plays out. Yes, but it, it, looks, it looks great on paper. Yes, it looks so good. Decks. When you think about the metagame, you're like, this is exactly what I do to beat it. But you're I'm so not right? proactive that it just doesn't matter. Like it's not oh, good enough. It's that's not great. good enough. All right, everybody when play it, this deck in the competitive <laughs> model leagues. Buy it right now. Queue up. This is Ginger calling out people so he can get more trophies. Do not listen to this. This chill. <laughs> I, I actually just think the deck is better than you're giving it credit for, but I'm. I need to to take it for a spin to see how it kind of Whee! actually matches up. Because yeah, like turbo fog, turbo fog decks are just decks that you cannot evaluate on paper and see. Like, I mean, you can just say like, yeah, it seems like it'll work in this meta game, but you need to be in game to kind of see. Okay, how many fogs do I need? Like, how much damage am I taking per turn? Like. How am I going to sequence my spells? Like, can I draw enough cards? That kind of stuff. Can I close the game out on a turn that is, you know, sufficient so that I'm, I'm not just, like, resourced out? And I feel like Brian's list is close. It's, it's close. I'm not sure that it's, it's 100% accurate yet, but 
Um, there are a lot of fogs in this standard. I did not realize. I mean, <laughs> if there's one person who could come up with the correct turbo fog deck, I would say it's Brian. So if if the turbo fog deck is real, join the nation and see what Brian it can only up. win if it's in a PowerPoint. <laughs> oh, if you put yeah. it in a PowerPoint, it'll it'll cue somebody for the tour. That's that the might only. that might be it. That might be true. Maybe that's why he hasn't had some great success lately. He needs to put that stuff off on PowerPoint. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to make uh, use of your wildest dreams uh, that you have laying around, this is uh, this is the deck for you for sure. And uh, we'll see if Brian can uh, t- plans to tweak it more. But he did mention in our chat with me and Rob that he would have to drive to a real life PTQ to avoid timing out on Moto. So uh, it's one of those decks. Um, moving on to another topic that we didn't have a chance to talk about like a couple of weeks ago when it was announced because of a bunch of topics and that we had uh, then and GP Toronto with everything, uh, which was the introduction of bronze in the Pro Players Club, where if you have at least 10 pro points, you would earn bronze for uh, the 2017 to 2018 uh, season. And what what it gives you is you get invited to compete in one RPTQ, if not already qualified, for the Pro Tour in that cycle. You receive one buy at GP main events in that cycle, and you're invited to compete in their country's nationals. So for me, I was really happy to to hear about this i really like that um there's just more levels in in the players club i am always for i've commented on this before making more and more matches mean something so that there's less of i don't know if this changes that drastically but it, it makes like the match at the end maybe important for for you so you don't feel like you have to concede or anything so like maybe you do need those points to just even hit bronze and you feel good about being bronze and having that level and being qualified for an rptq so you don't have to grind pptqs so i'm i'm pretty happy about this uh what's your initial thoughts uh rob uh this is sweet i mean uh we kind of made jokes like when you when you like finish on the bubble right for silver that you're a bronze level pro and now it's just a fact. So <laughs> with shirts legitimize uh, the meme that was the bronze level bubble before. <laughs> so I, I think it's good. Um, I don't think it helps a lot of people, but it's just like a nice safety net for like the kind of player that, you know, has to grind a bunch of PPTQs and like qualifies for maybe like two tours uh, a year from from the RPTQ system and is able to pick up like four to six points through GPs throughout the year and it's like always kind of short of missing silver. And then you just get like, you know, you get your buys and you get your uh, nationals invite and you get your RPTQ invites and you don't have to just like grind FNM and PPTQs like every weekend now, right? So now all you need to do is like turn your four RPTQs into like two PT invites where you're welcome to scrub out or, or finish like, you know, four or five points in, and then like, just pick up a couple points from a few GPs and you can kind of like chain these bronzes together, if you will, so that, you know, you, you don't have to be part of the, the PPTQ grind, which I think that is where the real benefit is. Like just kind of skipping through that, that PPTQ grind and those planeswalker points grinding. Um, and not having to worry about that nonsense. So, yeah, it's good. I'm glad that they uh, implemented it, and it's, like, pretty much zero cost to them to do it. So um, this is a very, very good change. I think, Derek, you're, you're bronze, right? <laughs> no, he's like... Wait, but you had, like, 30 trophies. <laughs> <It's> like, <what? laughs> I 
I'm still copper. <laughs> I have seven pro points this season. They announced it, and I'm like, ugh. So close. Like, come on. But whatever, it's fine. I wish I, you could get pro points for Moto. That'd be real nice. I'm Play sad <laughs> this isn't low enough for Vince, though, because Vince is not going to play enough GPs to get the 10. Yeah, they need to add a level that's like three-ish <laughs> pro points for me to be. Like, kind of like a wood level, like a wood tier before the copper and then before the bronze. No, but <laughs> I actually do really like this change, even from like an outsider perspective, because I'm not actually going after pro points. I think it helps smooth out the curve from the perspective of someone who is kind of new to the system and new to the idea of getting on the tour. Um, it helps give you a goal that's tangible, that's real, that is recognized by the community. Um, even if it's not functionally doing a ton, like like Rob said, most of the people that would be getting bronze probably are going to have two buys. Um, obviously, dodging the PPTQs is great, but that's a whole other topic of conversation and that PPTQs are just horrible and that sucks. Um, but yeah, I, I really like the idea just from a concept of giving players more incentive to play more tournaments, and that's fundamentally good for Wizards and good for the community. So. I like it a lot. Yeah, us millennials need participation trophies like bronze. I think it's good for people yes. to play. It also rounds out like the, the medals, right? Like it, it'd be it's weird that it started at silver. It should start at bronze. It's like Yeah. Know, this is the group of medals. Yeah. <laughs> Vince, uh what what would like three ish wood level give you as benefits? What would it like- Oh and what it would give you is Every this is great. Every time you'd go to a GP, you'd get a free set of of sleeves that have the Magic the Gathering logo on them, and then your it would say Wood Level Pro, and you get a free handshake once a year from a Watsi employee. That would be the the perks for three for three Pro points. Nothing else. I'm sold. I want it. I want that right I mean, now. It sounds great, right? In a heartbeat. Eric, you have it. You don't, <laughs> you don't need to get it. You, you you got it. You get one random interview with BDM a year. Oh, no, no, no. You definitely don't have time for an interview. Just a handshake. You'll get an email about it soon. Don't worry. Oh, sweet. I love emails from Wizards. They give me so much information on things that I really wanted to know. Perfect. Anyone interested in joining this program, please hit up Dagger4 on Twitter and let him know, and he can add you to the mailing list. Please don't. Please don't. (laughs) All right. Actually, I'll just get him right in here. I'll just keep... I won't kick out Derek yet. We could just we could just have a bird step on Derek and he could exit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we got Andy Robdrop in the house right now, Mr. SCG Syracuse tenth. <laughs> but anyways, before that, I think the funny joke is that I, I put that as part of our uh, banner to to t- to hype up this show about the guests and putting it there. I, obviously, that's not the only thing I wanted him to be known for, and then. There are a lot of jokes being made. What, you know what? What happened? The SUG Syracuse one to nine. You know they were busy, so I had to settle with Andy. Definitely not. Definitely not the case. Um, Andy was definitely one of the actually since episode one, someone that I wanted to bring on to talk about. Um, Andy, do you know how to unmute your mic? Because you're on. You're on. You're on, baby. Oh man, you can't hear anyone. So. 
while he figures that out, let's move on to our next topic, <laughs> Rob. That's that's great. Let's uh, <laughs> technical difficulties. Not not, not something that's new. Uh, Rob, you there's commentary uh, this past weekend. GP Minneapolis actually made history. Uh, huge news where for the first time there were two female commentators at the same time, um, and, and you thought they did a decent job, right? Yeah, actually, <laughs> they kept having them on separate. Like Melissa was on with Marshall, and then Maria would be on with. Um... I forget who she was on with. Uh, someone else, right? Or she was like in the in the main booth or whatever. Also with uh, Maria. No, but she was oh. on with someone else. Uh, oh, prior, prior, my bad. And then, and then I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, why don't they just like rip the bandaid off and put them in the booth together doing the coverage, right? And then it was like a couple rounds later they did that. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I, I actually think I think Maria does a really really good job at uh, at play by play. She's just like very well suited for it. Uh, her commentary is good. It's on point. She keeps the, the dialogue flowing, which is, uh, which is good. And she's entertaining. And I, I thought Melissa did uh, a very good job too. Of like, she also like had a lot of insight into like, oh yeah, like th- this card, this card's broken because like some guy in R.I.D. like R&D loves angels. And he was like, had to push this angels. <laughs> There's a bunch of very interesting comments like that. So you kind of get into the head of the, the Watsy designer, like kind of when Ian Duke's on, right? And he's like, oh yeah, you know, Constrictor, we designed this card because like, we really wanted to push the screen black tokens or uh, counters deck and stuff like that. And, and Melissa kind of gave the same insight. And, and she's a, of course, like a, a very good player too. Um, I think like one downfall they had, and, and that'll, it'll get better as they kind of go on if they have her on more, is that like, she was a little bit out of touch into like, what the cards were and how the decks exactly worked and like what was in the lists. Um, and you could tell that like in the beginning of the match, her commentary was like a little bit off and like by game three, it was like a, a lot more spot on when she was a lot more familiar on like what the strategies were and how the matchups worked. But um, that kind of worked itself out like as they, as they got into day two and stuff. But uh, I guess that's as, as to be expected, but all in all was, it was pretty good from their perspective. Some of the other coverage folks, not exactly as pleased with them. <laughs> um, you have a, an issue with like a specific type of, of thing that they do on, on MTG coverage, right? Yeah. So this isn't all MTG coverage. Just Watsy MTG coverage does this a lot. Uh, like you don't really see this on SCG <laughs> at all, but you'll have the, the play-by-play person like ask a leading question to the color commentator, right? Because they want to get them to explain something for like the, um, newer listener at home, which is like at expected and it's a good thing to do, right? And like lots of people will see that as like, oh, they're stupid. They, they don't know like how these decks work or what these cards are doing and they'll like have to ask and check with the, with the, the pro to figure out what's going on. It's like, no, 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 they, they know what's going on. They just want the pro to say that so that the people at home can be like, oh, okay, so you're playing Supreme Will in an approach of the second sun deck because like it's also, it lets you find your first approach it lets you counter spells when you need to, and it lets you find your second approach very quickly. Right? I was like, okay, these are all like very good things. But I hate it when the play-by-play person, after asking that leading question, acts surprised as if they themselves didn't know what the answer was going to be from the color commentator, right? It's like, no, no, no. You asked the question because you wanted them to say it. So you obviously know what the answer was. There's, there's no point in you also pretending that you're completely ignorant about how these decks work, what's in the format, how this metagame is shaping up, like how this matchup works. Like there was, there was a lot of comments this weekend where it was like it, the, the, the play-by-play commentator 
legitimately made you think like he was surprised at how the card interactions work. And from like uh, a high level magic play, like a lot of them were like very fundamental uh, interactions. And it's like, I, I don't think you need to pretend you're stupid to appease the people at home. I think like you did your job at pushing the conversation in a way that makes sure that that person that's newer to the game, like got their info. So they, they're connected now, but like you yourself don't need to pretend that you're as out of touch with what's going on as, as like the newest listener to the cast, you know, and it, it just like makes for such a worse coverage experience from, for someone that like actually knows what's going on. <laughs> There's like just no need for them to pretend that they're ignorant about, about the details. <laughs> it's very, very tilting. <laughs> yeah. You remember your quick example? I think it's, it's just funny. <laughs> I think it was funny when you try to come up with it. It's like, oh, really? It's just like, yeah, you'll be like, oh, wow, they, they, he's playing a Relentless Dead. It's like, oh, why would you play a Relentless Dead in a mono black deck? And the, you know, the color commentators will be like, yeah, you know, like Relentless Dead is good. It's a good zombie. It's a 2 2. It has menace, so it can get in for early damage. It's like a very resilient threat. You know, it can bring back, has good zombie synergy, blah, blah, blah. And then the play by play will be like, oh, really? Relentless Dead is good in a zombie deck? Who knew? You know, it's like not obviously exaggerating more than they do, but this is like the kind of stuff they're saying. And it's like, you don't, you, the guy already gave the information that you want him to give. You don't need to do that. Like, you just can move on to the next what the board state has changed to. <laughs> okay. Vince, I don't think you agree with, with this. I don't. Okay. I'm going to caveat what I'm about to say with if I had it my way, I completely agree with Rob. It's it's totally unnecessary and it wastes everyone's time in general. However, here's the thing. Most of the people that would be bothered by this are very sticky like customers from, from Watsi's perspective. There are people that are going to watch that coverage regardless. They're established Magic players. It's what they do every weekend. They watch tournaments. They're not worried about offending or, or frustrating those people because they know those people are coming back week after week to watch. The people they're trying to keep are people who are new to the game, people who don't have a lot of exposure to the game, people that don't want to feel completely overwhelmed the first 10 minutes they're watching a, a Magic tournament stream. Feel like they have no idea what's going on. Uh, they don't understand the cards. They don't understand the interactions. They don't understand the decks. So really dumbing it down to a point where someone who has a week of Magic experience, a day of Magic experience, a month, can at least somewhat understand what's going on is in general probably a good thing for the stream. It sucks for us, but I understand why they do it. I why, also, why does he need to act like he's surprised helps, by the info? <laughs> it helps the person who's new feel at least like they're not an idiot. For Are five you sure they, they don't feel like, oh, wow, that guy's an idiot? He knows as little as I do. That's fine. Why am they're, I tuning into this garbage? It's okay if, he, if they think he's an idiot. They're, but at least they're engaged, right? At least they're going I, I like... Don't know. You just don't have you don't you don't have this in in like other esports and you don't have this right. in but magic in other is sports so much different. Like I can I can watch Hearthstone and immediately understand what's going on because there's a very clear screen. There's creatures on the board. They're all very like the pictures are clear. I understand what's happening. I can see everything. A magic tournament, you have no idea what's going on if you're new. There's cardboard on a table from six feet up in the air and there's random people shouting out words like it's complete mayhem if you don't know what's going on yeah that's why the play-by-play commentator should be telling you what is happening and not absolutely surprised about interactions that they have no, no, no. the color commentator to say. <laughs> like I, here's you're here here's my yeah, point yeah. the scg coverage has been 
like critically acclaimed as the best coverage when it was uh, Cedric plus Patrick, right? Absolutely. And they, they do not do this. They very closely mimic how sports commentating works. And it's just like, this is the, the gold standard. Everyone likes this. The SCG channels were getting so many more views than the Watsi channels until like very, very, very recently. And it's like, sure. no one had a problem with their coverage. Here's- I just, I, I think that you could, you could make a significant improvement by more closely mimicking what people have done that has been, you know, regarded as a good step forward. Good luck. Good, good luck trying to copy Patrick Sullivan in any way as a cover, as a commentator. He will not be matched by anyone who's currently covering Magic right now. It's like not, you're, you need to match Cedric. Like I, I agree. Even Pat, Cedric Patrick Keller, though, right? That pair will is for sure and has always been the best pair for covering any Magic. So just saying, oh, it's really simple. Be Patrick and Cedric is just ridiculous because you're not going to do that. So you might as well play to whatever strengths you have. Like, I'm not buying the, oh, SCG's great. Just do what SCG does. SCG's great because they had literally the best people in the game. Right? They had the best. I want to see them try, and then I'll make my judgment whether or not they can't do it. (laughs) That's fair. I think we'll see. This idea of uh, this suggests a constant suggestion of like a beginner stream, or as we call comically call it, the idiot stream. Just imagining it, like two, they're they're just like competing against each other, and and just trying to conceptualize how this would be in real sports, like like a hockey. You're watching the Canadians, and then there's like an idiot version of it. It's like this is a hockey puck. puck. <laughs> this is why did he puck. why did he want to pass the puck there? Oh, because if he gives it to the other guy, he's more open, and he'd be more likely to score from there. Oh, really? Oh, come on. Every five minutes, there's like a, a, a rules refresher. <laughs> um, actually, this I already introduced you, Andy, but uh, what's, what's your take on uh, today's uh, state of commentary? Let's get you right in. Um, I... Uh, Basically, what I want is the if there's if it's even possible, is to be able to not watch the game but understand what's happening, but also not get that same people being like, "Oh my god, that's incredible!" Basically, you need you need to find the mix. You need to have my my dream is to be able to understand what's happening when I'm not watching or not really paying attention, and also get like enough of an expert analysis that that I'm actually engaged, so maybe I'll stop doing other shit while I'm watching. <laughs> Welcome aboard, Andy. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Andy, I forget. It's all good. It's all good. There's no, no one really cares, but uh, I forgot to remind you we're trying to keep this PG. <laughs> but, but that was all good. Um, as, as some of us have definitely dropped some bombs here. In all honesty, just on that point you made, Andy, I think there's only ever been two people I've listened to that have been able to do that. And that's LSV and Cedric. I mean, Patrick Sullivan, obviously, but he was like on a much more high level, like talking about theory and less about play by play, but the best two play by plays I've, I've listened to that I can actually like not watch a game and understand what's going on. have been LSV and Cedric. And it's like, everyone else is not even close to that level because it, it feels it, like half the time they're not even watching the game. Like it's so weird. Is it is it weird that the dream is to be able to not watch it? <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, right? But I think that's that's kind of the the grizzled veteran kind of approach. It's like we've seen this before. Like I don't need to watch cards on a table to know what's going on. Just tell me what's happening. 
the movements are so slow. Like to watch it is not entertaining TV. (laughs) 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 All right. Okay. Let's jump in. The reason, the real reason I got here, Andy, I already introduced you, but I was talking about how it's becoming. Uh, the reality is I've always wanted you to come on the show. I think you're one of the funniest guys that I've ever met in the magic community scene. I praise indeed. Although some might say it's a little too easy to make me laugh, but you're, you're definitely in my top five. You're definitely in my top five, Andy. And uh, the joke is pretty good that I've got you on because you finished 10th in SCG Syracuse. And now people are like saying, well, I want a face-to-face games open. I top eight at a PPTQ. Why, why aren't I on? Why aren't I, I guess, like, slowly, slowly downsizing, uh, downgrading their, their achievement. And uh, Kyle Duncan had the best one, my favorite, like, was, was the first to nine busy. And that's why I, I went to you, Andy. But uh, you top 10, but, like, you top eight. You would have top eight if your breakers were better with affinity. Uh, in Syracuse, so um, yeah, and you said you would play the exact seventy-five. So Affinity, still one of the best player, uh, big players in the metagame, Andy. Uh, yeah. So the going going into the SCG, I knew that there's the two big decks I wanted to be were Grixis Death Shadow and Eldrazi Tron because uh, they're just very played, especially Eldrazi decks. Everyone plays these things no matter what, and. Uh, I felt like Affinity had a very good matchup against both of them. And it also just has so many free wins. Like many times over the weekend, I just played a turn two edge champion, put a plating on it and like re- read the newspaper while my opponent tried to figure out how to, how to get past it. <laughs> like it was really good. And I really liked the list I had. I basically, uh, a month ago I bought Affinity on Moto and just, from zero experience, just I recorded all, all my uh, my matches as well. Played just two hundred matches on Moto and in and in uh, three PPTQs, and just kept thinking about the cards that I would want to draw from my sideboard and the cards I would want to draw from my main deck, and just kept adjusting it to a point where I feel like I just wouldn't change my deck for like months, and unless a huge metagame shift would happen. Like there's maybe a card in the sideboard that could could, could change, but that's about it. Wow, um, that's that's insane. And so, people who should pick up Affinity should pick up your exact list, I guess, that you would recommend. And were you surprised, like, uh, as to what ended up winning Eldrazi Tron? I mean, this is a deck that we—I mean, we didn't make fun of it. We just like it's been the modern deck we've talked about since episode two, uh, and then it's it's constantly had success. Uh, especially with, with my friend Vincent Tebow, I keep mentioning him because he keeps winning tournaments uh, locally. He won, like I said, the the most recent 8K Modern, and again qualified himself for the RPTQ. I think uh, with another, I saw that he once again won a PPTQ with Eldrazi Tron. So he's always been killing it with it, and now it wins in the hands of Dan Musser. Uh, were you surprised, Andy? Um, I'm, I'm always a little surprised when Eldrazi Tron wins. Because all the hands that don't involve like a ver- like just like turn two matter shape or turn three thought knots here, it basically comes down to the fact that Chalice is pretty damn good, and it can just cheese it can cheese enough wins, and it has like a few different ways to get to those those kind of cheesed wins, because it can get there with having a Tron on turn three, it can get there by ghost coding their their opponents out of a game, 
and it can get there by drawing a bunch of temples or just playing a chalice against a bunch of the decks in modern. So it has the, the ruin the game factor that most modern decks need to succeed. And it also is proactive and like it's, it just feels like it's always just fine. Like it's always, how bad can a matchup be when you just play big dumb idiots? <laughs> um, and, and for the tournament, like what did you end up losing to? What, what cost you a, a top eight spot? Uh, so my three losses were to uh, Blue Red Storm, which uh, I got a game loss. Almost got disqualified from this tournament because one of my my side three of my four of my sideboard sleeves were like a little newer than the rest. So the judge pulled me aside and uh, gave me a game loss. I was like, "Oh, can this get downgraded?" Like I don't think it was like uh, on purpose. And he goes, "It was downgraded from a disqualification." I was like, oh, okay, fine, fine. Wow. Yeah, and then so I lost to that deck, which is, I think it's kind of a bad matchup, but I went 1-1. I lost to uh, Grixis Death Shadow when it, it, it Teamer Battle Raged me out of a game from 20, and I also lost to uh, a Scapeshift deck that mulled to 4 and beat me. Wow. That's a sick mull. <laughs> it was Titan Shift then, I guess? Uh, it was the it's the new version with Hour of Promise. Oh man, I am out of touch. The oh, I'm sorry, I should be cheering, but uh, I love that yeah. card. Every every scapeshift deck I played against uh, that I only played against two, but all the lists at the top tables were the new uh, County Heart Expedition uh, Hour of Promise lists. All of them, pretty much. I keep, I keep cheering for it because, like, when we had received the card the, as the playmat art for GP Toronto. I had to make a social media post, and and some of the guys like, hey, just say it's a good commander card. But now it, it turns out it's it's playable and standard and in modern. Uh, Andy, how do you feel about the metagame overall? As I look at uh, the top list, we got like a mixture of Tron, Merfolk, Just Got Control, Affinity, Grixis Death Shadow, a Blue Red Storm, like you mentioned, and, and different Scape Shift as, as it's evolving with with Hour of Promise. It's sort of a good mix. Uh, I feel like people thought that Death Shadow was, was too broken. What's your opinion overall on the whole, whole picture of Modern? Uh, it's a bunch of different-looking ships passing in the wind. It's just a bunch of decks like slamming their super linear strategy and then being like, okay, maybe I need a card to deal with this guy, a card to deal with that guy. Like, maybe, maybe I'll play a Lightning Bolt. Like they're just trying to figure out a way to do their thing as fast as possible, but also have a like a B game plan that isn't absolutely terrible. So like a lot of decks are viable, but that's only because everyone's just super synergy driven. And that's actually the Death Shadow's biggest advantage is that if you're a synergy driven deck, they have discard spells, counter spells, and removal spells. So whatever synergy you're trying to put together, it's gonna pick it apart. <laughs> But, you, you, but you're playing a deck that has a good matchup against Affinity. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the more I played Affinity, the more I felt like, like Mox Opal is more broken than Death Shadow, maybe. But uh, like the, the deck is so, so powerful and also has a good matchup against the top two. And it, like even getting Culligan's Command, I got Stony Silence in one. I got Creeping Corrosion on turn three, wiping five of my permanents out. Killed, <laughs> killed him in two turns. Just... <laughs> I, and then it just doesn't sometimes it doesn't matter how much hate you throw at affinity you're not doing enough so and the death shadow deck is a good a really good deck but it's super super hard to play and i just uh i felt like affinity would give me a better edge 
<laughs> in the matchups that I would play. A lot of free wins against a lot of decks with Affinity and Death Shadow. You even sometimes have to earn your free wins or draw your cards in the right order. Like, in Affinity, Galblast does four upstairs. Like, like even the removal spells do something, so there's nothing that's not killing your opponent. The entire deck is killing your opponent. <laughs> uh, Derek, in chat, you're, you're saying how... how... You think modern is awful? I think I, I read that. Uh, you're not. You're not trying to grind trophies in that format, Dirk. Oh no! Like I, I tried playing Death Shadow, and I can't play my way out of a paper bag with that deck. I <laughs> uh, like was miscounting with Death Shadow, and like would like thought seize and didn't know how to do combat math properly. And then I picked up Affinity, and it was like uh, my white black opponent mulled the three and I'm like, okay, sweet game over. Like I win this. They just go turn two. So in silence, I'm like, okay, like, I guess I'll just sell all my cards. Now I don't want to play this deck anymore. And then I tried playing scape shift and it was just like, I lose the control deck and I tried playing control and I don't know how to build the control deck properly to beat the format. And I tried playing Jund and Jund's really bad positioned. And I just stick to standard. There's like three decks. I can learn to count to 10 and it's easy peasy. This is so, like, not what I would expect in my mind from the MTGO, uh, you know, trophy guy. You'd think, like, you'd grind so many matches that it would just be a lot easier for, for someone like you than, than someone that gets less reps. No way. Like, you have to be, like, in my opinion, it's all my opinion, you have to be so stubborn to grind matches in modern because there's probably, like, at least if you walk into a tournament, five decks you can't beat just straight up five decks you can't beat and you're like okay like i guess i'm gonna put some cards in my sideboard for these decks but like if i get paired against them twice like i'm, I'm missing top eight and like go to a face-to-face modern event and play whatever deck like deck a you lose to deck j there's three people playing deck j but it's really good position for this weekend and you just like lose because you get paired against it twice or like these guys are really good with deck j it's like okay like scred wins this gp scred must be great mm. No, it's like, okay, Elves wins this GP. Elves must be great. Mm, probably not. It's like, okay, like, Death Shadow wins this GP. Yeah, Death Shadow's great. It's impossible to play. Okay, like, why am I playing this format? Like, <laughs> okay, it's just like a bunch of... Ugh. Andy, you must disagree, because you traveled all the way to Syracuse to play this tournament, right? Dude, Syracuse is one and, like, one oh. hour, 45 minutes away. For, for me, okay. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> but do you agree with what Derek said? Uh, yeah, I agree with, with most of it. Like, the de- like, a deck can win a GP, and, like, nobody will copy the list. And that only happens in Modern. Because they're just like, oh, Because that's how linear the, the, the decks are. Is that it just doesn't matter. So, like, you could be the super linear, terrible deck, but you, like, you exodiate on turn three and you win. Oh my god, I love it. I mean, like, isn't that kind of the nature of the beast, though, right? Because you have a format where you can't correctly sideboard for 15 matchups, so you're just forced to try to do your thing better than anyone else can, right? Like, you can't beat every deck, so you might as well just play whatever you're playing as well as you can and hope for the best. And some people like that, right? Some people like the, I just want to see if I can do my thing better than you can do your thing. That's so frustrating, though, like, as somebody who wants to try to grind out the other 10 percentage points that I can get from playing my deck well, it's just like, I sit down at an event, and I've, like, played 100 hours, and you've played I mean, 10, and I just lose, like, I, I can't get behind that sort of mentality, you, right? Like, 
if that's what you're after, though, there is a deck in modern for you. You just refuse to put the time into it, right? You could play Death Shadow if you really wanted to be the guy with the extra percentage points. I mean, partially is because, like, I'm really trying to queue for the tour, and there's, like, no real incentive for me to grind that out, but, like... <laughs> just saying, dude. It's there. When you're right, you're right. You Live the dream. Always- Start streaming 10 hours a day of Death Shadow. People would love it. <laughs> Rob, let's get your, your, your final takes on all of this. Yeah, this conversation's madness. Um, I agree that Modern is a little bit of matchup roulette. Um, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. But that, but that point's kind of been uh, beaten to death. Um, I think that Andy's deck is like almost as stock as you could make an affinity deck, though, right? Andy, like, what do you, how do you feel about your main deck? There's literally no spice like i guess your spice is cutting a galvanic blast for a welding jar is that <laughs> well the, i play the third etch champion as well which a lot of people don't play and i don't play the third mem knight so the fourth gal blast is the third etch champion the third mem knight is the first welding jar and the sideboard is just about ruining the game i think uh when i started playing modern uh well definitely when i started playing modern the first deck i built was affinity and I feel like our main decks, minus Spire of Industry, were exactly the same. <laughs> and that was like six years ago, or whatever it was. <laughs> um, so it's good to know that if you bought in, in the, at the beginning of Modern, your deck list is still just as good as it was before. Um, I, I think, though, Affinity is like a deck that doesn't really matter what you're... Like, lots of people try and modify the last three cards, which are kind of like your welding jar slot, whether or not you're playing Gal Blast or, or Thought uh, thought, thought something. Yes. Thought, thought two cards. Thought cast, yeah. Or um, whether or not you're playing like the extra etch champion or whether you're playing Master of Ethereums. But I feel like those decisions matter much less than you just kind of like being able to nut your opponent and them uh, not being familiar enough with how to sideboard against you uh, or not being prepared enough. Because like the the real strategy or the real, I guess, edge you get in the matchup is just like suiting up uh, anything with cranial plating. That's, <laughs> that's what the deck is. And, uh, I mean, you definitely want to play some edge champions and if affinities run rampant, then it gets a lot worse. I'm not sure if the card is great now. I guess it's fine given the metagame, but I guess if the, if the metagame switches to a bunch of Eldrazi Tron and a bunch of Affinity, then I can see people starting to shave this. That's probably... The correct decision, since it's literally a gray ogre. <laughs> well, the the thing is, you don't care. The, the, my my philosophy behind the third edge champion was against like uh, the mirror and against Eldrazi Tron. The card that it was replacing doesn't matter that much, especially against Eldrazi Tron. You don't give a crap that you have three edge champions in your deck. They are so bad against you; it's insane. They could draw up like a perfect seven, and there's they might be a dog to an average or above, Whoa. slightly above average Whoa. affinity. Hot key. take. Hot take. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I'll believe you since I haven't played the matchup in, in quite a while. It has to be Natural Tron plus Walking Ballista and, may, and maybe something else. <laughs> that's, that's the real GG. I, don't they, I guess if you get off to a quick start and they don't, and they're on the draw, and they're not like Thought Not Searing you on turn two, um, then yeah, that's probably a pretty rough game yeah, for them. Ch- check the flyer count in uh, Eldrazi Tron. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, that's fair. Uh, I think uh, you've made your case. You're, you're probably correct. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
yeah, I think Eldrazi Tron was a good, uh, given like how the top 16 decks look, I think it was a very good choice. Um, there's a low number of Blood Moons than there could be. So I feel like uh, it was a reasonable deck to bring to the tournament if your goal was trying to win. Um, I definitely agree that Affinity would be a lower variance choice, where if you know what you're doing, you're definitely in for a good finish, um, but it's going to be really tough to crack top four with Affinity. Um, Andy, uh, what are you messing uh, around with when you're, when you're streaming these days? Are you messing around with modern and standard? Uh, I basically just uh, I jam for whatever I'm, I'm going to be playing soon. So I, jam, I jammed a lot of Affinity, but now that I, I qualified for the RPTQ already, so now I have an RPTQ in, uh, in a couple weeks, so I'll probably jam a bunch of standard until I can figure out exactly what I want to play. Because I, I basically I, I'm terrified of a format until I find a deck I love. And until then, I, I, my world's in shambles. <laughs> I think before moving on, one a question that, that relates to the unpredictability of modern comes from one of our patrons, from Sean Illinich. So thanks for the questions. Uh, he asks, what are good cards that in general can be good against rogue decks? I beat up established decks at game days this weekend, but lost to black, green, cryptolith rights, a close match, and a white, black, anointed procession, no contest. I was playing Teamer Energy. Seems like a challenge to be prepared for established deck while still being prepared for random nonsense. And uh, I mean, I lose to random nonsense all the time. I, I don't think Rob. Quick, quick it, answer is sorry. Was the question related to modern or standard or just I like? Think, I think in general, in general, he wants. General. <laughs> I think in general, he wants you know to 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 not be like to just get completely owned by these these strategies that these tier, I don't know, X strategies that, that he's not expecting at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's the benefit of playing the rogue deck, right? Is that people aren't prepared for you and they don't have the time or the care to worry about you. The problem with the rogue deck is that it's not very good. That's why it's a rogue deck usually. Um, so like just by playing them, you're already advantaged unless they're a rogue strategy specifically built to beat you. For example, uh, mono white life gain tokens in standard versus mono res. <laughs> it's just like literally set up to have a hundred zero yeah. <laughs> matchup. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sorry. There's nothing you can do. You just, <laughs> you're dead. Um, so I, I wouldn't worry about it too much because I don't really think it, it matters. It's just a little bit of the matchup roulette in standard in that case. Um, if you want to be, as good as you can against them, then you just have to have like very diverse threats and very diverse sideboard. So like you're looking at having negates and essence scatters or supreme wheels, like stuff that can interact with a, a very wide variety of of cards, right? Like if you don't have any um, negates in your sideboard, you just have essence scatters because you only care about bringing encounters in the team or mirror, for example, or something like that. Then yeah, you're leaving yourself wide open to to blue white approach or like some other random deck like this, but. Uh, if if you're worried about that, then yeah, you just need like more more threats or answers that are uh, have a much wider use, but are probably a lot weaker um, in your other matchups, right? Like Magma Spray is a card that's targeted at certain decks, but if if you're worried about rogue decks and not worried about zombies or mono red, then maybe you want like a much more diverse removal spell, right? That can deal with a bunch of other stuff. In modern, if this really tilts you losing to rogue stuff, then I would just make sure that Thought Season Abrupt Decay are somewhere in your 75, and you'll be able to deal with almost everything that the format has to offer 
for the most part. <laughs> There's not a lot that gets around those two cards. <laughs> yeah, just just to add real quick to that point, I think hand disruption is like the best way to beat rogue decks, right? Just because you first of all, you now know what they're doing. And second of all, you get rid of whatever the rogue strategy is very quickly, right? So if you really hate rogue decks, play play a bunch of hand disruption. But also just don't worry about them because they're they're bad. So yeah. I just want to, I want to, before we get off this topic, I just want to tilt Andy a little bit. So I looked up in the MTR for July 17th. This was published on. So it's a pretty fresh tournament rules uh, document from WOTC. And it says that tournament error mark cards is a warning. This includes scuff marks, nail marks, discoloration, bent corners, and curving from foils. <laughs> so it was, he got wrecked. <laughs> like, so he's, the, the judge showed me, and it was pretty obvious. He like, so the, here's the weirdest part about the whole thing is he comes over, and he like pulls me over, and he's just shuffling my whole deck, and then just deals out four cards and slams <laughs> them, and he goes, are these in your sideboard? I was like, uh, yes. He's, and he's like, do you see what the problem here? I was like, I have no clue what's going on. And he just tells me, like, they're pretty clear, like, they were pretty clear side, like, in his defense, they were pretty clear. Yeah, I've had this, I've had this problem before where, like, I bought new glossy dragon shields before GP Toronto in, like, 2015, and they were, like, glossy black, and I didn't shuffle the deck at all, I just sleeved it, put it in the box, and, like, I was shuffling my deck, like, making sure that it was, well, like, well randomized since it was completely piled out when I sleeved it uh, in round three or whatever it was. And uh, I got, you know, blessed with a deck check in the first round that I was playing in the event. And my sideboard had never been shuffled before. And the judge just, you know, they just gave me a warning, right? Like, and it was very clear. Like if I would have sided one of those cards in, like for sure, uh, if you had them side by side, you would have been able to tell that the sideboard card was a sideboard card. because It has like zero scuff on it, but I don't know. I would have, I would have appealed that warning to the uh, head or that, was that, that was the head, head judge <laughs> you got right blown out i feel i mean it says very clearly that a mark card is a warning thank you <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> i had a ptq top eight game loss for that too from a head judge so it really just depends on what judge you get i guess it's the judge roulette if you the, will the the best tool against judges that don't know what they're doing is to just know the rules <laughs> I mean, and even you if you know the rules, it doesn't matter sometimes. It's their ruling. They get yeah, to decide. It's fair. At least if you can point to the MTR or something like that, though, maybe you can bend their ear. If you don't, though, then there's like a 0% chance because they're just going to power trip on you. Anyways, that's a tilt <laughs> for another day. <laughs> um, to, to just uh, continue on to what Rob said but, but <laughs> before we got on this topic on the question, um, I, I remember just playing against, uh, like you mentioned, not, not just mono white life gain and standard or whatever when i would get paired against soul sisters and no i was just straight dead with the with the deck that i was playing and you know there's just nothing you can do when when soul sisters not expected to be in a certain format and you just get paired against it just just happens i'm not gonna jam there's only so much room in the sideboard sometimes like every slot is pretty valuable um to just really worry about certain rogue strategies and, and that's what i would say uh andy any specific uh other stories from from your weekend that you want to mention anything at all um hmm. well <clears throat> i uh so for the first so the entire tournament i had one game one where i didn't win in less than six minutes 
I just, every single game, I just looked at my opening hand. There was Mox Opal, there was a cranial plating, and there was a little guy that flew. And every single time, just turn two attack. And they're always, at monthly opponents, they all look the same. I don't remember their names, but I just remember this. <laughs> yeah, take it. <laughs> every round. I love it. The dream. The actual dream. Of the so affinity is good when you're hot. That's good to know. Well, thank you. And <laughs> uh, Andy, uh, you said um, that uh, you're terrified format that, that you don't know or what which deck that uh, you want to focus on. Have you taken a look at standard? Do you know what your starting point is? I think you started streaming black green. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So I played a little black green. Right now, I'm actually playing uh, zombies because it won. It won the GP. It did, it did a, it did a bunch of well, so I I just gonna keep playing that for now the GP winning list, and then eventually I'll I'll switch if I hate it. I'm not even doing that well with it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, Derek, everyone's gonna play that, right? Everybody's gonna play the zombies of black green, but he's not doing well with it. What? What's going on, Derek? Derek is a strong advocate of the zombie strategy right now. So, um, well, it's like obviously the best position deck, I think, because it's just it's very proactive. The card Dark Salvation scales so crazy in games that like some if you just draw it, sometimes it's just the game is completely turned around. You're just like kill your guy. Now I have four or six more power. So like that card scales really well. And I actually love the versions with four Liliana's Masteries and four Dark Salvations just because your late game is just like unbeatable now. So all you need to do is get there draw extra cards, and then eventually you just kill them in one fell swoop. Hmm. All right. You, don't, you, wait, you, you say it's well-positioned. Don't you think there's, there's going to be a lot of zombies now with, with it be, littering the entire top three, too? Oh, yeah. There'll be a ton of zombies, I think, because all the pros and all the chat, right, like the Twitter chatter about it, is zombies is the deck right now. Zombies is the deck right now. So I feel like Many people have told me uh, separately and have all come to a similar conclusion that Zombies was the deck for last weekend and might be the deck for the RPTQs coming up. Just hopefully I can get in there before everyone starts the anti-zombie train. <laughs> I'm unlikely, though. It's a couple weeks, so I might just be sleeving up magma sprays. and <laughs> It works. Trust me, it works. The thing about zombies as well is that people, in real life anyways, that people had this deck because it was the best deck last format, right? Um, and they're just like, there's less liquidity in real life, so they're, a lot of people are stuck playing what, what they have. And, and you, don't have that, uh, you don't have that constraint on Moto at all, because you can like get in and out of a new deck for like 10% uh, fee, essentially, on whatever the deck's cost is, which is like very low. Sometimes even better, depending on you know, what, what the cards are. And the margins are just, like, so much closer on Moto. It's infinitely better for, for moving with the metagame, which is, I guess, why it, it actually rotates on, like, a, this slow-moving dinosaur that is <laughs> real-life standard. Uh, in which case, I would play Teamer. You guys are crazy. <laughs> right. Everyone's going to be playing zombies at the RPTQ. <laughs> Unless you, like, find some new mirror tech that's just, like, no one else has figured it out yet. I'm going to have to sleep up Team Raph after the show and get some reps in. Uh, one last topic. Um, Magic the Gathering had announced the name of their next digital game, uh, Magic the Gathering Arena. Uh, tune, they tell us to tune in to twitch.tv slash magic on September 7th at 1 p.m. Pacific to learn all about 
hashtag MTG Arena, and how you can join the closed beta. Probably just a replacement, I imagine, for duels. Does that get you somewhat excited for September 7th? That's, that's exactly a month from now. Uh, Rob? I don't know. I don't understand what it is. They didn't yeah. say anything. They didn't say anything. It's <laughs> <laughs> gave a name. September 7th is also like a really weird day, right? It's uh, a Thursday. And I think they said like 1 p.m. Pacific or something that yeah, they're turning to Twitch. So like, who is this for that you're doing it in the, in the middle of the day on a, on a weekday? That's when you're announcing it's coming to Twitch. <laughs> I didn't even realize I that. That's a good point. I don't understand. It's definitely, it, the target audience can't be people that work, right? So that's like, probably most magic players and it can't be people that go to school because they're going to be in school so <laughs> i'm not sure i guess all the stay-at-home parents are going to tune in and then they can tell their kids about it when they get home from whatever they're doing and the um, basement dwellers you're forgetting about the basement oh, the, yeah the basement well i mean like ginger's going to know for sure and half ginger will know for sure i guess but um <laughs> yeah like it's i don't know it's just a very weird announcement like at least tell us what we're tuning into has like, wizards ever done this right like what like have they ever released information about anything related to any of their products in a manner that seemed normal in any capacity the yes, best part no. is they don't get that they're doing it wrong like when they announce <laughs> they announced something like a couple weeks ago and everybody's like hey this information is like really important why would you post it on 2 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon, right when like the end of the pro tour is happening or something, right? Like nothing to do with anything else. Or like, oh well, that's just when the article was scheduled to go out. It was like, yeah, we understand. Why'd you put it there? Oh well, that's just that's just when it was going to happen. Yes, but like you should put it on like a Monday, like when you post all the other important articles. No. What? <laughs> yeah, was the all the changes to like the qualifications or something went up on Sunday. Yeah. And then like, everybody's like, Hey, you should read this. Everybody's like, Hey, this is like my livelihood for the next two years. Thanks for posting this on a Sunday afternoon wizards. Like when uh, I saw the tweet about that article, I, for a fleeting second, I thought it was Monday. <laughs> it, was <gone. laughs> it, was a, it was a very weird spot, but yeah, I don't know. I'm like, not excited yet. Cause I don't know what we're excited for, which means I'm, probably, I'm nothing useful, about it. probably nothing useful. Right. Cause if it was great, they would tell you and show you how great it is when they announced it. They wouldn't tell you nothing and then wait to show you that it's great. That is, that feels anticlimactic. You know what's even like more weird about this whole situation is the only thing they've told us is the name arena, which is already like a pretty relevant term in their direct competitor online, right? Arena. Like why, why is the only thing you're telling us Magic the Gathering Arena. They had That's Arena of the Planeswalkers. It was a board game that they released, right? Yeah, but, but like that wasn't popular. Calling it Arena and calling it Magic Digital Next. Here's Magic Arena. Yes, yeah. Hearthstone is a digital card game and has Arena. It's and just they announced, a weird thing to do. Like they announced Magic Digital Next like a year and a half ago, and everybody on Moto is like, "Time to sell our stuff. Like let's crash the economy." And it's just like, okay, like I grind Moto all the time. This is awful. Thanks, Wizards, for not getting any information. They give out some information. It's like, here's the name. Thank you for blessing us with that, Wizards. Like, now I can go to sleep at night. Like, what? Like, can you do something helpful here, please? Like, We, we should speculate on what it is. So my vote is going to be that it is 
a digital version of Judge Tower. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, have you ever played Judge Tower? Derek, have you never played Judge Tower at a GP or anything? I've, I've played Judge Tower. You yeah, know that part where you said, like, that's judges what I go on power trips? That's what they I, do I think, that in Judge Tower. I think it's a digital version of Judge Tower. It's going to be difficult to enforce, but I feel like they figured it out. That was the big innovation. There's that's no way for people it. to announce priority and upkeep. <laughs> Well, until someone has a better idea, that's what I'm sticking to. <laughs> I'll say, I'll, I'll give you my optimistic and then my realistic. Optimistic is Chandelier 2.0, because that would be the actual dream, and I'd probably stop playing Paper Magic and just play Chandelier. Uh, realistic is Duels of the Planeswalkers 2.0 with freemium, like, buy avatars, buy stuff no one cares about, buy skins, buy sleeves for the card game that is just not magic online that's that's my guess for magic <laughs> arena so what if it's like um like a 2d fighting game with like the tekken 7 uh yeah, it's like it's like runescape engine. it's like runescape but with uh but with magic characters i mean that that's another realistic option because it, it, it would fit in line with the whole magic what other game genres are not relevant that we can push our ip into theme with the whole mmo strategy so maybe there'll be 2d fighting game um, side-scrolling RPG. Um, maybe oh, it's all of them. It's all of them. That's what the arena is. It's all <laughs> of the different archetypes and genres oh, in yeah, one, and like then you play them, game. and they they pick yeah. the most popular one, and that's that's the one that becomes a product in 2018. And they have Elo, and if you're the best at the RuneScape version, you get queued for the tour, <laughs> but only if you're a popular streamer. Oh my RuneScape. god. <laughs> This is why you don't release information like Arena and nothing else. You have oh, idiots man. like us yelling about just random stuff for the next two months. I think yeah, a good chance we miss it. Yeah, when you brought up, uh, you're like, all right, let's talk about uh, MTG Arena. I was mortified you were going to ask me what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, yeah, I have actual nothing. No one knows. <laughs> MTG think- Sims. <laughs> oh man, that'd be sick. MTG Sims like <laughs> start a house with Gideon and Liliana and just live. Yeah. Yeah, wake up, you be a basement. <laughs> you ignore your friends in the morning to gain like talent. <laughs> <laughs> this is the future of magic. This is Magic Digital Next. I love it. Andy, uh, how owned did you? Get? I don't remember if you did get owned by the, by the whole Sahili news. If I remember, we we had talked about it a bit. Uh, do you remember? Uh... Oh, do I ever? So so uh, my friend tells me about uh, the the combo, and I just like go on Moto and I just buy like thirty five, forty copies immediately. I was like, I am a genius. I'm going to be rich. And then uh, then they announced like, oh, by the way, guys, uh, just letting you know, uh, we're going to have a banning uh, real early. And so they all tanked. I'm like, oh god, get rid of them, take them, anyone, take them. So I sell all of them except for four. Oh and god. then, and then they immediately, then they announce it's not banned. And I'm like, oh my god, I need more. I need them back. Bring them back. And so basically, I went. For, if I just like fell asleep for four days, I would have just been like up all that money still. But because my friend kept warning me about all these mistakes and all these things, I kept buying and selling and just like. <laughs> See you later, 50 Bones. Wow. So, did you get owned by the very last change where they swapped, like, like the next day? 
Uh, yeah, like, it is bad. Like I, like I had the whole deck, but at that point, Sahili wasn't worth that much. But it, it, it did suck. <laughs> I didn't get owned by it that much, but I, I did. Sahili Ray really roller coastered me into the into the dirt. <laughs> I, uh, I I had given advice to someone. They're like, what do you think is going to happen? I was like, you should sell it. This card, like something from this deck's definitely getting banned. They sold it. It wasn't banned. And they're like, now I have to buy them back again and they're expensive. And I was like, well, you can just borrow them. Like, I'm not going to play this deck and playing Mardu anyways. He's like, no, 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 I'll just buy them. So he buys them back and then also just got wrecked two days later with the ban. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I tried I to remember, help you out. <laughs> I remember we were driving home from New Jersey and it's like the Sunday before the Monday they were announcing the bans and Rob's like, they're banning something from Sahili and they might ban Gideon. And the guys were in the car with us, like, okay, like we have a shared moto account with all of these cards, probably like 500 tickets worth of these, like three or four decks. We need to find a laptop and sell these before the bannings go up at like uh, 11 a.m. tomorrow. They're like, okay, sweet. It's like before we left, they did it. And they're like, okay, I'm feeling good about this. Like, this is great. Go home, wake up the next morning. No changes. It's just like throwing money away. They were, they were uh, rewarded. Just two days later, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this was the, the after New Jersey. Oh, after New Jersey, right, right, yeah, they waited, yeah, they waited a bunch longer. Yeah, that was just so. I don't know, Watsy. They that was a bad quarter for them. I don't want to go back there. Let's pretend it never happened. <laughs> um, Andy, someone, someone in the chat wants to know who was your friend. He, he wants a shout out. It was uh, Baby Elliot, as we affectionately know him, and is in <laughs> Kingston. But uh, it, it was him, and he even uh, so I was at work during all of these occasions and so i'm like oh my god dude here's my moto information please 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 and so he like bought and sold them all and he basically just like facilitated me getting shivved by watsy over and over again oh my god this is so good oh my god oh my god look at my moto account please please help help it feels like the moral of the story from multiple accounts is don't speculate on mtgo it doesn't work out <laughs> that that's probably true i think probably if you really want to protect yourself from this kind of garbage which if we've you know really noticed the roller coaster of bands and garbage standard that we had over the last 12 months uh you know then a product like mana hours is probably yes, actually I was for gonna you say mana hours. <laughs> it's probably actually for you <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're locked into your fixed monthly thing you probably don't play a lot of moto anyways because you you don't have a loaded standard account, and you can just like get in, get the deck you want to play at whatever rate it is, and then you know get out when you're when you're done jamming your cues or whatever, and you don't have to deal with the nonsense that the rest of us do. <laughs> I well, I love it. I have I have an account, and uh, I love it. Um, I think that's uh, it for our show. Any any last things uh, from you, Derek, that you want to plug or any mention? Um, yeah, if you're planning on playing the RPTQ. Don't take motor results and don't take paper results too seriously. Uh, find a deck you're comfortable with, learn to play it, and don't don't look into like zombies won this weekend. Doesn't mean zombies is the best deck. Red won last weekend. Doesn't mean red's gone this weekend. Just like try to stay open, try to realize that it's a shifting metagame, and just pay attention to what's going on. Don't take things too seriously. Yeah. How many trophies do you have this uh, quarter, Derek? I have seven. See? Still killing it. You should take his advice seriously. Any <laughs> hey, last words from you, Andy, or, or things you want to plug? Um, um, in modern, play a deck that 
is super linear, and your sideboard should absolutely ruin the game. So play a bunch of Blood Moons, play a bunch of Chalices, just whatever you do, just play your game, but also just try and just, like, long bomb it, Hail Mary, like, Blood Moon, is it good? I don't, actually, I forgot, uh, Derek, plug, where, where can they check you out on Twitch? Uh, I'm at Misplaced Ginger, just like Twitter, everything else. You want to follow me on Instagram, it's super creepy, but it's also at Misplaced Ginger. So, have me a follow on Twitch. I love when you, like, tweet, like, about sort of semi-revealing the deck that you're working on, and then Chris Pakula is like, hey, what's, what, what deck are you actually playing? I love that. Um, Andy, what, what are they, like- Andy, where can they check you out? Twitch.tv slash... Uh, Andy Awkward underscore MTG. <laughs> Andy Awkward underscore MTG. Love it. Um, last words from you, Rob or Vince? No, I mean, uh, uh, maybe just a little, I guess. Yeah, so um, I posted the Teamer Energy deck that I played uh, at the Mox to a 13th place, place finish like a, a few days before the event and like, um, you know, was tuning it along the way. So people in the in the Facebook group or part of the Patreon where we're following along and a deck very, very similar to, to mine, especially in the main ended up winning the event. And I think another one finished in the top four. So it was clearly a very good choice. So yeah, if you want to get on that hot moto trended stuff, then I think that it's in your best interest to join our patron. <laughs> Brian is working on some real hot stuff too. Uh, <laughs> he is not going to stop until he finds something that's going to win his, his RPTQ. So I, I definitely think that, if people are playing RPDQ, they should join just for that because Brian is known to to provide deck lists that go undefeated at at RPDQs. That is his main specialty. I think it's going to be a challenge this week. We'll see. <laughs> he, he is a little bit looped up on medication, but I feel like he he uh, he can persist through it. Right. Hashtag Turbo Fog. Um, Vince, any last words? Um, yeah, I guess I'll plug some other content. Rob and I did. Uh a primer on the blue red draft archetype. It wasn't a primer. It was, it was a, it was a hot take on the blue red archetype and it's up on the man of the Prime YouTube channel. Um, let us know if you want to do, if you want us to do more videos like that, where we just kind of banter while drafting. I know we enjoyed it. I think other people might be. So uh, yeah, let us know. Also, I will plus one following misplaced ginger on Twitter. Um, it's it's always entertaining to get his five word tweets about how he's the most unlucky player in the world, or about his new favorite song, or just some random thought that kind of came into his head at any moment during his some life. Some depressing so, existential yeah, meme. just just great for the memes. <laughs> just follow Misplaced Ginger on Twitter. Thanks. That was, that was pretty good. I am very unlucky though. Probably. Oh, for probably. sure. We're definitely more the most unlucky. unlucky player that's ever played Magic, for sure. You and LSB should talk yeah. about who's yeah. more unlucky, I, I feel. Um, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, mm. I'll, tweet at him. I'll tweet at him for you. Oh, I'll, that'd be I'll, great. I'll get, I'll, get, I'll get Daddy Pakula to put in a good word for you. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, could you? <laughs> maybe we should work on getting him in the hall first. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Pakula got blown out. I feel very bad for him. I feel like Watsi really screwed him like they, they want like, him they want him in the hall of fame like they all advocated so hard for him and then they changed the rules to 60 percent, which like no one made them do right like they did that on their own accord and then he gets 41 percent of the vote which was the old requirement anyways it's just 
That whole thing is just so stupid. I called that out on our podcast, by the way, too, when we when Mark, the NASA's changes. So Mark Rosewater like set him up too. He's like, "You should vote for Chris Bakula," and everybody's like, "You shouldn't say that." No, sixty percent's tough when you don't have like a when you're not clear cut, right? Like I think yeah. Juza was like not quite clear cut. He was definitely you could make the argument for it, right? And I, I don't fault you saying yes or no. And like uh, Otter Layden was a log, obviously, but everyone else is. It's it's a tough argument for sixty percent for sure for sixty percent that that's rough. Anyways, I mean I'm I think Utterladen was what did he get eighty ish? Yeah, like oh. I feel that if you didn't vote for Utterladen, you should not be able to vote anymore. Yeah, you just have your vote revoked. Like that's it. You clearly do not know what's going on. He's like a very clean player, a very good player, has five PT top eights. Like. What are you doing? John and Kai didn't get 100%, dude. It's madness. It was very close. It was like 99 point something. Yeah, it was like 97 and 98. <laughs> <laughs> I just also, wanted- given who else was like on the ballot with them this year, right? Like, he was, Utterlayton was like the clear, he should have got 100% of the ballot. Like, I don't know who, what other five people you would vote for, unless people I mean- vote like, 14% of people just voted for nobody. It might be the Finkel thing, right? Like, Josh Utterlayton's in, let's just vote for uh, Liebert or... Yeah, I feel if people are doing that and you notice a pattern, I feel like those people should also have their votes revoked. That's really gaming the system. Yeah, I mean, that, but like, it's a vote, right? You're allowed to game the system, it's your vote. And, but it's Watsy's game, so they can change the rules whenever they want. <laughs> they do that a lot, but I feel like... It's just savage. I mean, it's not, it's not in the spirit of what, what's supposed to be going on there, which is, it's just unfortunate, but whatever. Top eight something, Chris, then you'll make it. <laughs> All right. Uh, shout out to our first strike producer, Jonathan Good, Kyle Smirchik, Sasha, uh, Derek Point, who's on the show, Adrian Merchinson, and Isaiah Carrero. Sweet. Uh, thank you so much for supporting the show. And we will see you next week. And hopefully, I have some. PPTQ, LCQ, whatever, success story. And uh, thank you, Andy. Thank you, Derek, for coming on the show. And for me, Rob and Vince, we'll see you all next week. Uh, Thumbs up this video if you liked it. And yeah, thanks for watching.